hello. Welcome to East Coast DNA, your East Coast music podcast. Darcy wrote Beast Jost DNA on my notes there. And uh, I'm Andrew. This is my brother and role model, apparently, according to his notes. It was just a little test to see if you were reading or just uh, ad-libbing. There you uh, go. Hello, it's Darcy Walsh, there. Andrew's brother and role model. And role model. So we're, uh, we're back again this week. I'm still still feeling crappy but i have my tea and i will uh let darcy do most of the talking again today yeah you do you do sound a little better it's not as gravelly but uh more from conversations leading up to this i realize you have maybe five minutes of energy before you need to kind of rest and not talk for a few minutes stop and take a breath i can't walk and talk at the same time right now five in five out i'm hoping within the next couple weeks we'll be able to chew gum and walk at the same time I can yes. get my, myself up to that point. But we so do. Yeah, some... we were talking. There's a lot of things happen in the news, but uh, where we're starting to get in with some interviews and stuff, it's not probably necessary to recap everything that happened in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um. So we'll focus on some highlights. And uh, anyone listening, if there's something you specifically want us to be talking about, by all means, write in. If you're an event organizer, just give us the details. If you're just a fan, you want to make sure that we're mentioning your favorite bands. Let us know who we should be following and we'll include them too. Or if you're your own favorite band, same thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But we do have some upcoming events. We have one at April 30th at Gus's Pub. It's called Spoopalooza. Yeah, Electric Spoonful's back. And uh, it's uh, the spoon Spoonpalooza is kind of a playoff of the Electric Spoonful name. There you go. And as well as Electric Spoonful, we have uh, Post Fun. Good to your good. No, it's fine. Shaolin? Shaolin. Shaolin. Yeah, they just played the commune a couple days ago. Actually. Yes, I remember that now. Uh, Dazer, Factory Girls, and more. So yeah, there's quite a bit more, actually. It's a, it's a full lineup, similar to the, some of the shows we have here in Pictou County, where it's like the full afternoon into the evening. It's just a Halifax-based one, so there's a lot of popular names that we're recognizing on that list. Yes. And there is a show that my brother bought me a ticket to. I think I got to pay him back. We'll, uh, we'll put a vote on the Spotify episode. And uh, we'll put a poll. Should Andrew pay Darcy for the uh, tickets for the... I, the Propagandi show with uh, Friends of the Podcast, The Bloody Hell, and Cluttered. And another band, Worst Part, that uh, at least early on, they featured uh, some extra work with uh, Maddie Grace from Cluttered. And we actually met Maddie Grace at another interview as well. So we, there's some and, people here we know and some people we don't. And I and don't, I don't first, know probably uh, personally. My my first bonus episode was an uh, interview with uh, the frontman from Bloody yes. Hell, Ian. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we hope to be uh, talking to uh, both Maddie and Ian again in the near, near future. And uh, we'll both be at that uh, promising to be exciting show, I believe. From the internet, as of recording, what I was seeing is that the show's sold out, but a couple extra tickets were released. So mm -hmm. by the time you're listening to this, there's probably not any tickets left. But uh, if there is, it's definitely a no-brainer to buy a ticket to the show. Yeah, it would be a good one. And, and then another big one coming up at the marquee there, too, at yeah. the end of the day. Who's playing at that one? Uh, this is a, another full day 
blast of bands. Uh, I'll 100% honest, I don't know all of these artists uh, just off by name. Um, some of the highlights that I am aware of, Adam Baldwin, who uh, many, many people would know, he's always making the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him, first time I saw him live is just Adam Baldwin. He was actually with Matt Mays here at Glasgow Square. He was doing a little acoustic show and Adam was with him backstage, so he came up with him for a while. I did have a friend request that we get Adam Baldwin on the show, so. We well, there see, you go. He's, he's uh, I've seen him do other things at this level. He seems like a pretty good guy. And uh, this, I, this I would high love a level. have him on for a conversation. Yeah. Um, let me see. There's uh, Alfie, Carmen Townsend, Craig Mercer, Dave Sampson, uh, Jesse Brown, whose name I see all the time. And I'm starting to realize the names appearing in as a supporting and studio person and showing up in concerts and the solo stuff. So that's uh, somebody to keep an eye on. Then um, the, the name's always around. There's, you're going to have lots of opportunities. John Samuel, um, who I actually went to uh, his last album release. It was uh, here in the Glasgow with Moon Logic opening. So uh, a lot of people probably know John Samuel from Winter Sleep. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a, a huge list there. But then I, to cap it all off, they also have uh, Halifax All-Star Band. Okay. So that's uh, Claire McDonald, Dave Casey, uh, Jason Vitor, Jordan Murphy, uh, Leith Fleming-Smith. Uh, you probably know him from some keyboard performances. If you've seen anyone go into town on uh, keyboards in a live performance, especially on the East Coast, it was probably him. Mm-hmm. Um, madman on the keys. I, I could watch him just by himself. Uh, Mike Farrington Jr., uh, Seamus Erkstein, and Zach McLean. And it also said on the billing for it there, uh, featuring DJ Century Samuel. So I don't know if that's part of that all-star lineup or if it's somebody that's kind of emceeing the night. Along yeah, it sounds like it'd be emceeing it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So that that looks like an amazing night as well. Um, I was a little confused with the big shiny tunes motif if they're just stealing the uh, the poster look. It, it worked because it grabbed my attention yeah. instantly. Um, Any 90s kid will definitely... Uh... Yeah, I'm just no, wondering if they'll do a 90s theme at all with some of their stuff or if everyone's just doing all original stuff. Like, I mean, there's a huge amount of talent there. So, I mean, yeah. either way, it's uh, it's guaranteed to be worth the ticket price. Yeah, exactly. Another uh, thing, too, outside of the upcoming events, uh, when I was skirting around in our social media, um, anyone that follows us on instagram that's in a band probably found us because we followed them first yeah uh that we did that right up front um just to kind of build a following and to also it doubles as i scroll through the feed to see what all these bands are up to mm-hmm. but another band i found incidentally that way uh echo seven um i had seen their name referenced a couple places uh, because they have some new material out but they're also showing up uh with some shows uh i saw them opening for uh, Shades of Sorrow, I believe, last weekend. And they have a show either just happened or coming up with uh, Sonic Detour. So those are both mm-hmm. bands that I had featured on uh, our first bonus episode with the heavy metal stuff. So they're uh, some New Brunswick metal bands that are 
starting to circulate and I'm seeing them play shows and I'm already aware of their music. Yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, if things continue to go the way they do, that maybe the COVID numbers go back down, we get some bigger shows and maybe in the summer, some of those guys travel a little closer to me here in Nova Scotia or maybe I'll finally travel to New Brunswick after two or three years. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. We haven't crossed that border in two years. I know. I keep thinking, uh, Oh, I wonder if this band, I, um, that sons of an Eastern moon that I featured on the second bonus episode with the heavy Newfoundland. Yeah. Um, I was chatting with, uh, one of those guys online there as well. And they're, they're coming over to Nova Scotia this summer. And I keep, thinking, Oh, that's awesome. I wonder if any other bands are coming here. And I keep thinking, Oh, well I also have vacation time. And I'm allowed to go places. I just hadn't been considering it. So yeah, exactly, something I'll have to think of, especially now that I'm seeing like this Echo 7. I, I listen to some of their stuff. It looks promising too. I, I'm going to keep an eye out on that. If there's enough bands playing in an area, it would be worth the travel for me to go and check everyone out. Oh, yeah, for sure. That The, the ECMA is coming up, um, which would be just shortly after this one, this episode airs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lineup there that is a uh, bot fly and uh sonic detour and like a whole bunch of heavy bands all in one night and i don't exclusively listen to that but uh that that makes me i, I actually have a ticket for the show i just don't know if i'm uh, up to driving to fredericton and back on a weekend when i have my kid with me too so there's a little further to go to fredericton yeah yeah exactly it was just like take me almost five hours to drive there yeah so that's like a good solid day of driving to go back and forth so wait and see but uh i'm keeping an eye on these bands i hope to catch them at some point in the near future um and speaking of which another one of those uh heavy bands i was listening to uh feathers and anvils had a new album out just recently too i saw them on social media looking for some feedback they want to know if anyone has suggestions on what they can do for a music video mm-hmm. what they should release as a single the whole album's pretty solid yeah um novaks are back yeah um, you sent me the link there yeah strange children i i noticed it at first because they showed up in a couple of the east coast uh music charts like the weekly countdowns mm-hmm. uh and then i was having a hard time i was like the novaks man i haven't heard them in ages and then when I was looking around, I couldn't even find the Strange Children song. Oh, really? But they had just released it to radio before they released it to public. Oh, okay. So that is now out. So, uh, I mean, you can find it on Spotify, but also our favorite band camp has it there as well. So perfect. there's a couple options for you. And uh, we don't have the playlist yet as of this recording, but assuming I can find it there, I'll throw it in there as well. Yeah. And uh, speaking of playlists... I like to do the video uh, playlist on YouTube and then the Spotify audio playlist. So sometimes they end up a little bit different. But uh, I do like to see when somebody's promoting a single and a music video on the same weekend mm-hmm. when I'm doing one of these recordings because it works out very well. Yeah, exactly. And one of those bands, uh, Aquaculture, um, is somebody who I've also been following. Uh, the s- stuff that I was talking about uh previous was like re-releases and remixes and rearrangements and stuff of older singles that he had out yeah um this don't trip single is out this friday so it'll be last friday for people listening to this on release day 
and uh he has a music video coming out with it as well so i haven't heard it yet it's likely on the playlist so uh, go check that out now and uh upcoming releases we had uh two there as well um both we ones that we mentioned before last week but yeah 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 because uh the carol brown has her ep coming out on the 24th that's the show we mentioned in the last episode uh she's doing like an ep release show at the commune yes um and she's a singer songwriter pianist yeah much much like today's guest which we'll get to shortly and uh another band that has a release coming out that same april 24th weekend i believe is corvette sunset um so not matt Steele and the corvette sunset they kicked him out of the band yeah did you end up seeing that it was on uh twitter's where i ended up seeing it i saw on twitter i think yeah yeah yeah, the video where they uh they kicked him out um he played a little played a little a little acoustic for me so what do you think they said something about the name they kicked him out of the band yeah (laughs) yeah it uh it was was a pretty good little clip yeah i mean he told us about it beforehand yeah so i kind of even knew the pun leading into it but i I still had a good chuckle yeah uh good job so yeah corvette sunset will have a new album out uh the end of month to listen to here as well and we have a guest coming up we have arsenist coming up she's waiting on the sidelines for us now but we will play a uh, single by another artist before that who are we listening to uh, this band's Earth Altar, uh, their single Lament. Uh, it's a it's a lengthy one for those of you uh, sitting down to listen to this before the interview. It's a 10-minute long epic song. Uh, they have a full album coming out uh, later this month. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually have, I think, May 13th, uh, Good Robot is presenting an evening with Earth Altar. They're going to have That's a, a fantastic spot, party. too, if you haven't been yet. I haven't. Um, I know uh, Pillow Fight, I think, just played there, and somebody else that I was following was had just played there. They're right on Roby somebody. Street, and they have an outdoor area with like the AstroTurf. It feels like yeah, it feels like you're out of the city, but you're right. Honestly, like you couldn't be more in the city than you are. Right is now. it is it almost like the idea of what they're doing with the Blue Lobster here at the Nova Scotia Spirit Company? And stuff yeah, and it was side. between two buildings, but it doesn't. Once you're sitting down, you don't feel like you're between two buildings. It just feels like you're in cool. this atmosphere. Yeah, it's really nice. Well, I'll have to I'll have to check. It. Actually, there's a there's a good reason for me to go check out. Friday, we went there May for uh, went there for Earth Burger Week last week, Halifax Burger Week. We went there for Halifax or during Halifax Burger Week. We went there last year. Oh, perfect! And uh, that's actually coming out again, April twenty fourth. I think it's called Halifax Burger Bash. Now they changed the name, but that's coming up. So oh, anyone in the city, one hundred and thirty places are uh, selling burgers, and the proceeds go to feed Nova Scotia. So oh. not music related, but also. We're all kind of in the same boat, musicians and helping people. That's kind of what most of us want to do. So, yeah. yes, exactly. Segue that. There you okay. go, everybody. So you can uh, give this song a listen, and when you fall in love with Earth Altar, you can then go uh, catch them on May thirteenth and uh, get the scoop on what burgers they have coming out in a couple weeks after that. Exactly. So we'll be right back with our interview. But for now, here's "Lament" by Earth Altar.
Welcome back. That was Lament by Earth Altar. And here we are now with Arsonist. Did I say it right? Hello. Yes, you did. Okay. Jillian from uh, We Should Have Been Plumbers really makes sure I pronounce everything right. So she's listening. Yeah, we had a little, we had a preamble before the last (laughs) recording there. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, So actually, speaking of that, um, that's one thing that with uh, artists such as yourself, where you're a solo artist um, and you have a a name, like a stage name, Mm -hmm. um, I always want to check, like Wants is actually a buddy of a good friend of mine. So when I talk to him, like he wants me to call him Adam. But even when I first met him, I was like, oh, you're Wants. Even though, oh my god, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. So with you, I want to call you Arsenis because that's what you know as. But yeah, Rachel Sunter. Yes. Our son, Arsenis. There you go, Andrew. I just won you over a bigger fan from my brother because he came up with our name of East Coast DNA, where DNA is Darcy and Andrew. Yeah. Hey, nice. And uh, jam sessions that we were helping with back last year he came up with the name for them as well which was jeff and mike because they were the original right. host for that and then the logo i was mike. like gotta yeah. do jim and the holograms for that yeah. oh my god yeah. so you guys are on the same page i'm this is the first time i've ever talked to anyone about my project where they knew where our Sinise came from so thank you it kind of it kind of all clicked today actually i i won't take too much credit crazy but yeah i was i was putting all my notes together and i went Oh, that's why she calls herself that. Yeah. I thought you were French and you like burning things. So, I, I that's what people assume. I'm yeah. also French, but uh, yeah, I like fire as much as the next person. Well, and the fire theme too. It it did lead to probably I don't own it, but my favorite piece of uh, band merchandise that I've seen through Bandcamp is your lighter. Yes. The the arsonist lighter. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's very clever. I. I, I <laughs> I have no use for it, but I may have to get it just to put it on the shelf or something. Anyway. They're pretty that's, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a very clever idea. So, um, your history, um, like you're a piano and voice teacher, and you're a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, as I mentioned, have some notes where I went back and did some research on it. So you and actually... I have a piano and a voice. <laughs> yeah, <there you laughs> as far as it goes, lots, lots of coming out. Yeah. So you've been doing this for a little while now, um, but before you were going by Arsenice, you were in uh, Soho Ghetto for quite a few years as well. Yeah. So you did like keyboards, backup vocals? Yeah, I was doing keys and backup vocals. Um, I joined that when I was 21, and I was in that for a total of seven years, so it was a long, long time. Was that originals? Yep. Yeah, okay, because I did see you credited with doing some songwriting and stuff along with them, too, when I was reading, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, that wasn't a band I was familiar with, but I did see some references to that. But near the end of that, you did uh, something as well with uh, the Acadian Embassy. Like, uh, there was a compilation album where you are credited with uh, wow. a song called The Yard that you performed with someone else. But it's oh, yeah. you're listed under Rachel. You're actually listed under Rachel for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a long time ago. I know. Wow. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. All I, to I go remember is going out to, like a, maybe an hour out of town to this huge. It was a recording studio called the Shed, 
Okay. And I, oh. I don't remember who records. Uh, this is so long ago, but I had them list me as Rachel Sunter because um, I don't even know if I was arsonist yet. When I first started my project, I just called it Sunter. Oh, okay. Mm. But people struggled so much with that that I yeah. and I don't know why. I yeah. Um, well, that that is a question I had in my notes. Is that that would be around that time frame where you would have switched into arsonist? Yeah. So I, I didn't see any reference to you before that. Yeah. And even Acadian Embassy, I, I like I'm aware, I'm aware of who they are now, and you see a lot of great stuff that they're doing now. But I I, I wasn't aware that they were even around that long ago. Yeah. I thought they were more <laughs> recent myself. So. I didn't know about it at all when I went. I remember being just like, I have okay. no idea what this album is. Even when you're saying it now, I was like, what? What was it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> even before the podcast, I I, that, that's something I would always, if, if I ran into artists like at a merch table or something, I'd, I'd be like, oh, hey, you're so-and-so. In 1994, you really, and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a little, little geeky there. Uh, but so 2015, <laughs> by then, you are going by Arsenist, and you had released, this is, a, I got kind of a, a weird question here. So in 2015, you did a cover of Lithium that you released. Mm, so, no, I didn't release that in 2015. Okay, that's, that's what I released I that in 2018. Did you? Okay. Because mm -hmm. I saw and it wasn't it wasn't picked up or noticed by anyone for another year. It kind of like it was very recent really that that So you was that Nirvana's lithium? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. yeah. So I had two I questions from that. So one question I had from it, uh, and, yeah. and it does come down to the timing. So you had performed on a track of uh the Town Heroes album, mm -hmm. uh Please Everyone. Mm-hmm which I have a signed copy beside me. If I ever see it in person again, I'll have oh, to get you it. to sign this as well. Oh, yeah. you're on there. <laughs> uh, so they also did a Nirvana cover in 2017. They did Molly's Lips. Yes. So it were, like, are you in their orbit? Those, that are, time those are related. Yeah. Uh, no, it's because um, I think I could be wrong about them, but mm -hmm. the reason I wrote that cover was for the annual Halifax Gay Pride Tribute Show. Oh, okay. Which is to date, each year is one of my favorite shows I've ever played. I would say one my favorite concert I ever played in my whole career was one of those. It's always sold out. Mm -hmm. It's always and and the concept of the show is to pick one um artist that is beloved by the GLBTQ uh, community. So it doesn't have to be somebody who is part of that community, but someone who's sure. beloved by the community. Mm -hmm. Um and the organizers pick a whole bunch of always like very successful East Coast artists and each artist only performs one song. So oh, the okay. night's incredible because you get to see like a dozen successful yeah, yeah. artists for like, you know, a small ticket price um, and, and nobody's doing their originals. Everyone is doing Everyone's a cover. Crazy. It's so cool. Yeah, I love the show. So Soho Ghetto was the was the only band they ever had at this for whatever weird reason. Mm -hmm. The old one of the old organizers, Tara, she was a big fan. So that's how I got associated. And then when I left Soho Ghetto, they kept inviting me back. Um, yeah, so that's why I didn't even listen to Nirvana. 
That one oh, was really? just just slightly ahead of my time, just enough that my brother listened to it, and I was kind of like, eh, you know, I older, don't want to listen older to my brother's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you know, that's... when you're younger, like music that's like two years old to you feels yeah. like so passe. We talked about that yeah. early in the podcast, episode one or two, that I didn't really listen to Darcy's music, and he didn't really listen to mine yeah. as much. It wasn't until we were like right. 18, 19, we kind of started sharing totally. more. Yeah. Yeah. So this will date me, uh, Tori Amos Crucify EP mm. from 1992. Mm. Also, piano cover of a Nirvana song. But yes. it smells like Teen Spirit. Uh, and it would have been a huge single for Nirvana at the time that she released it. Yeah. But I was curious yeah. where you're also a pianist and singer-songwriter if Tori Amos is an influence for you as well. No, but... So it is unrelated. It's a fans of mine have 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 that's I, I've heard of Tori Amos specifically because in my early days when I was much more piano based, um, a lot of fans were like, "Oh, you must listen to Tori Amos," but I never did. Well, and I am a fan of hers, but I will say from working in uh, record stores back in the '90s, <laughs> her popularity was really accelerated by the fact that her home video release had a duet with Maynard from Tool. Mm-hmm. Oh, so crazy. there was a huge crossover. She got there. into the kind of like alt rock scene. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. She was yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, you don't need to be playing covers of Tori Amos songs. You just need to bring somebody else that's more popular on so they pay mm-hmm. attention to you and then you steal their fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the plan. No one even it's knows the name Tool anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you had the uh, self titled EP release out in 2016. Is that right? Uh, Holes? Is that when that one have been out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you said self-titled. I was like, I don't, I've never Oh, or self-release, it. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Self-release. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah, Holes came out after that. Um, which, honestly, I still to this day want to take it off all streaming services. My oh, really? Not on a podcast because nobody cares. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it, that was that was a learning experience for me. Sure. Yeah. But we... it, made, it, it may disappear from online in the next month. <laughs> yeah, it's well, important it, to keep that even stuff the there, learning though. curve we've had from January till now, if we go back and listen to our first couple, like those were experiments on how do we make a podcast. So yeah. like, exactly. And that we was... may not want them online, but they're there. There was only a couple of months ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was just a painful project to release because uh, it was my second co-production with Alex Mead, who was the guitarist from Soho Ghetto that I had a long history with, and then we were romantically involved and living together. And he was my first bandmate in Arsenist, and there was just so much enmeshment in our professional. Mm-hmm. And personal lives and when our relationship started to go south and we had my second dp like bed tracks were done and then we just didn't touch it and it was just Aww. like and the ball was just starting to get rolling in my very new career and when you're a new artist right you get you get all kinds of attention and funding from organizations that after your first release cycle is over they won't turn you a blind eye because yeah, you're no longer a new artist mm-hmm. and that's it. I yeah. do see a scattering in around this time frame where from my perspective, I'm making an assumption here. And like I said, feel free to correct me if I'm off the rails here, but you must've gotten some grants and some sponsorship from support from different people. Cause there's a few different performances that you recorded in some different locations mm-hmm. and, and 
you can see that there's some money put behind the quality mm-hmm. on those recordings too. But 2018, when you put the cover online of Weird Fishes, is that so? Mm-hmm. That 28th. Is it? Oh my God! Is it that long ago? So it would have been like four <laughs> years before say the on pandemic. YouTube, but it was it was around the same time. Yeah, we'll just say pre-pandemic. So pre-pandemic, uh, you had a huge burst of views from yeah, that song. You're right. Yeah. So why that song? And was that just something that you were recording? Like, I know it was released with the, the wooden piano sessions. Mm-hmm. So was that what that was recorded during? That same video that got all the views? Yeah. So what happened is that, um, so I released that EP in 2015. And then in 2017, I released my second EP, which I shouldn't have because it wasn't mm-hmm. done. But it was kind of like, oh, God, we got to get this out so that we can break up. It was just... <laughs> this- <laughs> You know, artists, there's not, you can't really finally separate personal and professional in the artistic world. You just can't because you, I was writing about the relationship, you know, just, oh man. So holes, holes came out. Um, and that was the, that was right in the first summer that I started, that I was, I was invited to play covers at this restaurant on the Halifax waterfront called Gahan House that I hadn't heard of. They're from a PEI brewing company from these four brothers that all own restaurants across Atlantic Canada to Toronto. Uh, And they, one of their things is that they put pianos in their restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody, the only place that had a piano in a restaurant really at the time, like that was being played was the press gang. Uh, which was a bunch of old jazzy white men. And it was just like, there was no, there was no in between for me that yeah. Yeah, I, I would never have gotten hired there. I will admit when I did the Matt Steele interview on our last episode, I, mm. I even told Andrew afterwards, I'm like, when you edit it, keep track of how many times I mentioned, I thought you were country when I was talking to him. Right. So when <laughs> I, for you, when I was introduced to you, I was familiar with the song gravity just from mm-hmm. radio play. Mm. And, uh, deeper I get but I mean that was around the same time I was doing research for the music week stuff mm-hmm. and I mean that's probably you're more well-known right right now because it's got so much radio play but I originally when I saw your name and went through and did a preliminary search because I did it for probably like 30 bands at one point because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure who I was going to be interviewing mm-hmm. uh, when I did that I put you right into jazz jazz uh, but without That's listening, so it was, it was just, I saw a couple video clips and I saw you with the piano and there's ones where you had, uh, I know you had a red dress on in one of them. And I reminded me of, uh, some old videos I saw with, uh, Tahana Crawl. Yeah. So just yeah. subliminally, I'm like, okay, she's here. And I put Matt over in country. <laughs> I had a bunch of people say, yeah, I want an interview. And then I never got back to you guys. So, uh, like I said, I was familiar with the songs once I went back and realized, and then I, I see references to your uh, Radiohead cover. This is all part of the too. learning curve thing, right? So, yeah. We're getting yeah. The, yeah. So, well, uh, so that's why I kind of is... wanted to get you to tell me where I'm wrong here now. Yeah. yeah, you're highlighting one of the biggest challenges of my career thus far that I think I've only solved in the last month, so it's funny. But it's that I started making 
the first real steady good money of my whole music oh, career i started making here. when i started playing these acoustic piano cover background music shows at gahan house and then and then the barrington steakhouse opened up a year later same brothers the murphy brothers also had a grand piano in it and then they opened up a third place uh, where Gahan used to be, because Gahan moved downtown, they opened up Pickford and Block. So then there were three restaurants downtown Halifax, where I was, I think I was one of the only two women on the roster of piano singers they had, and to maintain their diversity quotient, perhaps, I was steadily employed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I also was good, but that was hard. At the time, I didn't identify as a cover artist at all. I said no. Mm -hmm. when The first time they invited me, I was like, no way i can't i was kind of a snobby in indie artist and was like i'm not a cover artist sir and <laughs> then and then you know thought about the money for a week and then thought about how i was teaching a lot of pop to my my private voice students mm -hmm. that had only started a year earlier too me teaching like i just fell sure. into teaching I, I still to this day don't really know how it happened i mean a manager of, a, of another place i worked at a cheesecake the cheesecake place on South Park Street, and it was so corrupt and run by actually music grads. And one of them fired me and got me a full-time job at Long and McQuaid in the same 24 hours. And it was, I still don't understand <laughs> like how it happened. Slap in the face. Yeah. Went in for an interview I didn't set up, got the job and 20 new students on the spot and had no teaching experience. Oh, wow. I cannot even explain but he was like, yeah, but you're the real deal. You've been on the road, blah, blah, blah. Like the clients are going to love you. And I was like, this is absurd. Um, but he was basically like, well, we'll just throw you in. And if, if students start quitting, then we'll know you're not a good teacher. And, uh, <laughs> well, you're still doing it. I had the lowest turnover, packed schedules, started raising uh, my rates every year. And then I just yeah. left, took all my students, privatized, like it wow. took off. And I was like, thank God. But Anyways, I realized that through teaching, I did actually know a bunch of covers because I mm -hmm. was teaching them to kids. And then I was like, oh, yeah, even though I don't listen to pop music, I listen to these pop songs that these teenagers keep bringing me. So I was like, I came up with just under, you know, a two hour set and was like, and called back to Gohan House and was like, I'll do it. Uh, and that was, yeah, like four, four to five years ago. And that then that that was just crazy what that led to that led to everything mm -hmm. for me open the door for you yeah everything because then when it was the barrington steakhouse then all of the wealthiest and biggest socialites in halifax very small city but the mm -hmm. the elites all go to the steakhouses sometimes of yeah. course they do so then i started getting invited to to really bougie corporate parties and like crazy weddings and Christmas parties, like these really exclusive fancy events and things just started rolling. And I was able to start raising my rates. Right. And then mm -hmm. suddenly I was making an hourly rate that was probably better than most of the artists in the city. And I was like, this does not make sense to me. Yeah. yeah. But all of my classical training, which I was always trying to hide from my indie music mm. i what? could just i could utilize in my covers and then get this like fine dining vibe that i was like mm -hmm. oh this is so easy yeah. but i can do drake in a classically inspired 50s vocal kind of way right yeah. there's i started to put all these crazy spins on things and 
this particular wealthy clientele just loved it. It was the perfect balance mm -hmm. of old classics and modern, like cool songs, but on the piano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those videos you saw, some of the videos I shot with the specific intention of sending to future corporate clients when they were like, we sure. need a performance video. I couldn't send them my arsonist stuff. Right. I right. had to send them something that was, that looked like those venues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yep. then the Radiohead cover, that was me for me. I am a huge mm -hmm. Radiohead fan. In Rainbows is my favorite album by them. And that song, I had, I, there's this guy who owns, um, he's an audiophile and guy who, who run, owns a studio in Quimpool called, oh my God, I'm going to remember it later. Anyways, his name is Doug. And I had seen Doug a month earlier at the Carlton. We were seeing a show there to, and I ran into him and, and I, and we, we realized we both love Radiohead so much. And he's like, Oh, have you ever seen them live? And I was like, I haven't, I'm so depressed. And he was like, I just saw them in New York and it was insane. Mm -hmm. You must do it. And the song weird fishes, if you haven't heard it, you need to like, listen. And I was like, of course I've heard it. He's like, yeah, but that song live was insane. And something about that conversation. And I went home and I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll I'll make this cover for Doug and I'll send it to him. He'll think it's cute. And that was it. Because um, I was at that point in time, I currently have a list of 150 covers that are memorized and ready to go, like on top of a decade of originals. And that, so I was just eating it up. Any song I could cover, I was like, throw it at me, throw it at yeah. me. We'll see what it sounds like on the piano. It was just fun. So that's what I did with Weird Fishes. And then I had booked this big, this video shoot at Sonic Temple. And that was the first song that we tracked of the day i did it I, we did two takes that was it boom moved on didn't think about it um i don't think i even thought about how perfect it was that i was wearing an exclusive tour radiohead t-shirt oh, really? while i was performing that song like i can't it's so funny and then that song ends up yeah that ends up being like within a year like way more views on that video than anything else i ever made yeah if you had a, if you had a went into it saying like i'm going to make a popular video Probably you wouldn't even it. necessarily think, well, I'm going to pick Weird Fishes because it's not going to be the first Radiohead song that people are going to be Googling. <laughs> no, it makes I no sense I think I saw a cover of Radio's, Radiohead's, uh, somebody did a cover of Creep one time. I saw that video. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's good to see well, something that wasn't Creep. People who discover yeah. that video, they said, they say that they're on they're on an acoustic Radiohead covers binge or they are on mm -hmm. an In Rainbows covers binge or even that they're on a Weird Fishes covers binge. Yeah. <laughs> There's yes. so many. Yeah, well, yeah I did. I did. find me. Yeah, I went back and saw that uh, somebody redid it with you with drums, like a drum track on it. Patrick. So Patrick's my yeah. long-term drummer. Yeah, yeah, and he was okay. living in Montreal at the time, so he just made a video at home and sent it to yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, that was cool too. <laughs> so you have that, then you have your album that we were talking about that has like deeper i get mm -hmm. and everything which people would be more familiar with but not to compress it too much but going into just after we had met covid kind of ramped back up again in the mm -hmm. getting towards the holidays mm -hmm. um i was on lockdown myself i never did get it i've been thankful for that mm -hmm. but uh, i was in lockdown and there was some overlap where you were locked down for <laughs> My roommate, roommate had it for two weeks, and then I and was then out for 48 had. hours, and then I had it for two weeks. 
So right back to back, no Christmas. All that lockdown time. Now Andrew can relate because he's going through some of that now too. But all that lockdown time that you had, and I know I was only like alone in my apartment for like four or five days, maybe. Like my daughter was here, overlapped part of it. I thought I was going to go out of my mind at one point. I was just like, I felt so disconnected from everyone. Yeah, and I, I, I was watching all the some... lockdowns. That was the worst. People can agree that it was oh, just yeah. like by that point in time, we just had no emotional <laughs> resources left. Yeah, we the, also uh, have a taste of things reopening and then it shut down again. I found the first so, lockdown. Everyone was like, let's do this. Let's all show humanity what we can do. And then it just kind of yeah. dwindled over two years. So the time that last one. Oh, Christmas, my God. Like... By the time it was that lockdown. Yeah. I mean, people were so angry. And I work in the healthcare field and I've, I've seen it, too. Like people just didn't care anymore. Right. Like, yeah. Would have people in the ambulance and they'd be like, I can take the mask off now. I'm like, no, you're inside my ambulance. Like, but I can take the mask off. I'm like, you're short of breath and coughing. You cannot take your mask. Like, it doesn't do anything anyway. I'm like, keep the mask on. <laughs> just, yeah. The people are just so tired of it that they just didn't care anymore. They just right? don't want. Yeah. But so now, Andrew and I both I have some obvious hobbies that we've picked up over the pandemic because we're doing a podcast now. But during the lockdown, you were tinkering with guitar. And then when you got out and things started to reopen again, next I hear you took off, you're on another continent, and yep. now you're back here and you have an exciting new project to announce. I know. So I feel like you uh, took full advantage of everything that everyone's supposed to do is that you, uh, you kind of took some time to focus. <laughs> you, you, you looked at, I mean, you're kind of hinting that there's a little bit of a arsonist identity crisis as far as which path you're going, because like as far there's as there's been your an identity lineage. crisis for the last for my entire project history. Mm -hmm. So there has been an identity crisis between orchestral pop with classical, clear classical influences, yeah. so strings, acoustic piano, uh, you know, everything record acoustic drums. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum that I write would be like um, EDM yeah. pop, right? Yeah. Down to like beat making, more like instrumental focus stuff, uh, more upbeat. Yeah. So these musicians that you teamed up with across the ocean. In, in and, England, yeah. Yeah. Did they help you? focus on a little bit or did you go over there saying i have a vision and now i'm going to surround myself with people that are going to help support me with that mm, it's interesting so um i made i made quite a few strong uk contacts at the provincial music conference this year at nova scotia music week where where we met um and i i think i played some really strong showcases and and i just like really pushed things this year in terms of arriving early and getting and getting my poster absolutely everywhere and and researching all the delegates as you do with your interviewees i had a spreadsheet i went through everyone's mm -hmm. bios websites every project so that i knew when i would meet someone i could be like you're this you do this and you know and i could really really work the conference and i hadn't done mm -hmm. that to that extent before so it all paid off this year i had been playing so steadily for the last few years i logged over 100 gigs a year for the last three years, even including the pandemic, which doesn't seem to make sense, no. but that is what happened because mm -hmm. I'm a solo artist who sure. plays covers. I kept playing through the pandemic. Anytime the restaurants were even at 50% capacity, they had me back on the piano because they wanted to put everyone at ease. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. And it works. It, 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 yeah. All the solo artists 
were the ones that were able to really survive through the pandemic. Yeah. Do you feel you're going to put influence more of your own guitar into your music or is that just kind of something to get you through? My guitar? Yeah. Yeah. Will you be playing guitar? I did Uh, see you were doing stuff with some studio guys. I would like to. I would like to. I always knew my open chords and I understand how music works uh, because of piano because it's such a visual instrument that all instruments kind of make sense after you know the piano in a, in yeah. a certain way. Um, yeah, that was my first time spending time with an electric guitar. That's what was significant. Yeah, I have okay. an acoustic guitar. I use it for writing sometimes just to get out of my piano box. And a lot of pianists do that, just like a lot of mm-hmm. guitarists dabble in piano for songwriting purposes because it yeah. gets you out of all of your boxes. You know, your hands don't know what to do. So you land on surprises and you're like, wow, what's that? Yeah. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. So electric guitar, I found amazing. Um, I have always loved electric guitar in my songs. So spending a month where I, where I played it every day and every night was really, really good for me. Good for me in terms of harmony, like finding new chord progressions, mm-hmm. but also good just to start to appreciate the versatility of tone in a guitar and to be able to understand what I liked about it, what sounds I didn't like to have the language to communicate with guitarists in the future. Yeah. Bending that notes that you can't really do on a lot of really important. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was one thing I was going to ask too, is if it helps you understand the dynamic there from the other, like even for, like I can only relate to what I'm doing with the podcast stuff. Cause I have some previous music experience, but nothing of note that is even that I could play anything, but yeah. I had, I had a little bit of training when I was younger. So I have enough that I have context. So I appreciate what people are doing and that there's a skill there that I do not have. Mm. But uh, so you playing the guitar. I did see somebody else playing guitar like there with you. You were doing, they were recording something with you one day or somebody was, it was someone in your Instagram feeds, but it, is this new album going to be a bunch of different instruments or is it so i go to uk two of my contacts there were especially helping me set set up some business things so that i could so that the whole thing would be an actual business trip i, I mm-hmm. definitely didn't go with no plan i had sure. um keith is a, a guy keith wyatt works with um danny uh in a kind of umbrella of music companies called Anki Music um, out of Strong Room Studios in East London. And Strong Room Studios is a very, very cool place that I did not appreciate until I really got there and was like, whoa, Nigel Godrich's studio is there. So I got to record a single and literally pass by his studio's door. And that is Radiohead's like long time producer. So that was a, a dream mm-hmm. to be like, wow, I've come this close (laughs) (laughs) did things just align or were you targeted like this is something i want like was that a goal to get there for that reason or just by coincidence you're being aligned aligned. so this is the thing is that i really connected with these with these uk delegates they and i heard really incredible stuff like it's like it's weird at that conference i felt like one of the buzz artists that i had always heard about where mm-hmm. everyone was like, yo, I heard this person talking about you. I heard this person like, and I was like, what? And I hadn't really considered that my music would be appealing in the UK in particular. But once I was there, 
I realized that almost all of my biggest influences of all time from the age of five have all been British bands. Sure. And Hmm. I was like, this actually makes so much sense to the way I write my melodies, to the ways I appreciate new sounds versus old sounds. There's so many things that would be hard to calculate. Um, But early Coldplay and uh, middle to late Radiohead uh, and James Blake, like, these are huge influences for me. Vocally, Adele is a huge influence, but mm-hmm. that's kind of been a struggle where I don't want to be an Adele. But yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, Keith was great. Keith was great. He set me up with a couple producers who were very, very different. Both great. Both worked in the kind of Enki music umbrella. Um, and I did a single with each one. And by the end of the trip, my goal had been, I want to know what my sound is because I know that I don't know what my sound is. I just like all music. And I know that marketers don't like that about me. I still <laughs> like all music. I'm still going to write all kinds of music, but it was like, what do I present under Arsonist mm-hmm. as opposed to a Rachel center creation? Um, and Keith is funny. He didn't, he didn't explain to me why he had picked these two producers until afterwards when I was like, you know, they're both so amazing. I learned such cool stuff from both of them. But what I made with the second guy, with with David Glover, who's in Sheffield in North England, um, that was the first time in my whole career that I have worked with a producer on a song. And when the song was done, it didn't sound like a compromise mm-hmm. with someone else's vision. And I think I always felt... Like it was supposed to be a compromise. Like literally I was so lucky to be working with anyone that the least I could do was let them own 50% of the creativity of that song. Mm-hmm. And even though I was paying them and it was a one-sided thing as a woman working with a lot of men, I just, and often younger than these men and them sitting at the chair and me not having the right lingo I would say yes to things that I didn't want to say yes to, or I'd say no, there'd be pushback, I'd get up. I'm a 45-year-old man that still goes, "Uh, I don't know, what do you think? Right? All the time. I I might have an opinion, but it would be much easier to do whatever your opinion is, because if I don't care, nobody's going to be upset. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes, to your point, all anyone wants to know is what you want. They they don't want you to say what you want. They want they want your opinion. They yeah. want you to be you and do your thing. So they, that's they do, and I th- I think the more successful producers are even more like that, right? Yeah. But I think that that a lot of lower level indie engineers uh, are where you tend to get into more sexism and more like gatekeeping mm-hmm. language around production, and that's Much less kind of why the they're a low level. Yeah producer yeah. and why they never take off yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't because they can't take their ego out of it because they yeah. keep changing people's songs then the songs don't resonate with the fans don't resonate with the artist and there's no future business yeah, yeah. you're not having fun no matter how objectively good the finished product is if mm-hmm. it doesn't fit with that market and doesn't fit with that artist nothing's gonna happen and i would confidently say that 90 percent of the music i have ever put out doesn't didn't actually fit my tastes and didn't actually fit my my audience's tastes yeah 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 that's fair. so that's why I'm, i can take a whole ep and be like that was a learning experience ep because i'm really just like how did i'm one of the songs in that ep i don't mind but <laughs> so it does sound like now you're much more focused on where you're 
What? Yes. You have a clear so vision. With Glover, I was like, okay, why does this song feel more like me? Now I mm-hmm. get to answer that question. I get to look at both of these experiences. Why did this one feel more like me? And I was able to really identify a couple components that are my sound and my sound may change. My taste will change. Yes. I was coming to the conclusion, this UK trip and my dilemma of sound and the acoustic versus EDM. um, I realized that the components that need to be in music in order for me to identify with it. And even for me to like it when I'm listening to other artists do it within the indie alternative genre, because I listen to lots of genres of music and these conventions would not be relevant, but in the kind of genre that I am making, um, I like analog classic drum machines. I like, like 707s and 909s are probably two of my favorites, Mm -hmm. occasional 808s, um, even 505 stuff. And then, and then anything else beyond those, those are what I call the classics, but, um, I love analog drum machines and I got into beat making finally in the last year I was also intimidated by it. And I officially made, made a a drum groove the other day that my drummer, he lives with me now. And he was like, Rachel, that's that's a nice kick pattern. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's a a good sign when it's an actual drum. That's that's my barrier to creating my own is drums. I just use a loop track. I think it was mine for so long. Yeah, Yeah, but I I often will start with a loop just to give me anything. Mm -hmm. And then I'll cut and paste and chop it apart until it's, until it fits the song, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So analog drums, analog synthesizers. I never really realized that those were the sounds I loved so much. I didn't know why I liked James Blake so much. I didn't really understand what a prophet sounds like. Like I couldn't have told you very much about synths at all. I just, I liked a lot of music that had synths in them, but that was it. I didn't know what I was was listening to. I find a lot of rock that goes to has synth in the background, beefing up the tone and don't even realize until you stop and listen deeply to it. Um, Yep. Rick Beato does what makes this song great on YouTube. And he takes mm. he takes songs and splits the 24 tracks and he plays you little bits that are played through on all the different tracks. And it's like, I didn't even know that was yeah. in there. But now that you know it's there, oh, you can yeah. hear it, right? So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Song Exploder on Netflix does that too. There's a couple of yes. there. Yeah. They, 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 they did some crazy. The Nine Inch Nails one was pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah same oh, kind yeah. of idea. But yeah. yeah so the analog sense. As opposed to VST sense, okay? And that sounds so silly. And I also thought people were such huge hipsters for saying things like that. But when I used actual analog sense at Glover's studio, because he he had all the instruments. He had the weirdest percussion devices I've ever seen in my life. He had all the classic synths. And I'd be like, okay, this is the sound. This is what it sounds like. I'd describe it. Uh... And they'd be like, okay, that sounds like this synthesizer. And he just runs away and comes back with his dusty old keyboard. And he's like, wait, 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 powers it up, does nothing. He's like, all right, let's start. And and I realized that with an, with an organic instrument like that, even though it's electronic, but like analog synthesizers, when you have it there, we would, we would find a sound that we loved, that we both agreed was perfect for that moment in under five minutes every mm-hmm. time. Record it, love it, move on. And in the world of VSTs, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. 
because it's so easy to press one button and change the sound so quickly that you kind of just start shuffling through things and then you end up losing the vision that you originally had because you've heard so many competing ideas sonically. So I realized that I work better with analog synthesizers. And that was a really good moment for me to understand what kinds of studios I should even be spending my time in. Because mm -hmm. those are two very different types of recording now. Yeah. So, and it also helped me figure out which synthesizers I needed to find sounds for at home in my own studio so that I was demoing using those voices so there was less room for people misinterpreting my sound when I got mm -hmm. into the studio, right? Yeah. So I got back from England and I wrote and produced an entire new album in a span of a month, which was wow. crazy. I've never had those production abilities and I've never had the vision so focused before. But at this point, I had just gotten back from this amazing trip. I felt like finally I had a market. Lithium hit 300,000 plus streams. Like mm. last month, I was just like, okay, this is it. This is my chance. This I've got this one target market. I have a perspective team there. Um, so I made, yeah, a whole new record. And I am starting a funding campaign on Friday for just over two weeks. And that is to fund me finishing this album. So I've produced the majority of it, but I'm going to go back to England and do additional tracking between the studios I was mm. at. They have that's, way better vocal mics. Friday, <laughs> April 15th for two weeks, correct? Friday, April 15th is when the campaign begins. So this episode yes. will come out next Wednesday. So it'll be... Yep four days into right the campaign at that point so yeah 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 um so this funding will be to do additional studio time on any parts that i can't do myself mm -hmm. and also mix engineer howard billerman um from one of montreal's best studios called hotel to tango um he's He's the old drummer and mix engineer for um, Arcade Fire. He he tracked and drummed on their uh, on Funeral, right? They're like their okay. big breakout oh, album. Uh, I was um, trying to think of why I had heard the name, and that's he I shares Hotel it, de Tango why. with members of Godspeed You Black Emperor. If you're oh, okay. in post rock, like that is the mm -hmm. hugest yeah. name. I'm yeah. so I'm like, oh my god, what if I get to meet one of them? Um, yeah, I mean every to me like every significant indie artist alternative artists, even Leonard Cohen, who's neither, have recorded at this studio. And I met Howard a few years ago through some writing workshops uh, and I've been very influenced by him and his circle of artists, but he is scheduled to, to mix the album, which is just like a dream. Mm -hmm. He's done a lot of work with Rich O'Coin too. And I play keys with Rich cool. O'Coin. So okay. I've been able to oh. talk to him about the studio and Rich does a lot of synthesizer analog synth work too. So it's, mm -hmm. it's all lined up. Perfect. That's good. So and where can people find out how to help fund that for you? Right. It's going to be a Kickstarter campaign. Okay. And it will be, I mean, Instagram is my, the primary way that I connect to my fan bases. So everything I do is always on Instagram. And then I refeed my stories to Facebook. So between Facebook and Instagram, I'd say that would be the best way to find out anything about it. It will, will be very and obvious. And if you want to send us a link, we'll put the link in our show notes on this. So yes, people can sure. find that down uh, below. Okay. Yes, I will give you that. Sometime before next week. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
So is there any upcoming performances that anyone listening to this should be keeping an eye out for? Or are you concentrating on the studio production and getting something I, out there? Yeah, I will, I will be showcasing at the East Coast Music Awards in Fredericton um, on Saturday, May 7th, I believe is the date. Ooh, that's I don't the same day as the big Saturday? metal lineup I was talking about. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes. Uh, so I have a showcase there and I will be in Fredericton all that week. Um, trying very hard to get a few team members to support this release. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I am literally two days later, I am in the UK for a month um, to continue planning that and con- continue recording. And then awesome. I come back in June and then go to Montreal to mix everything. Um, so not a focus on live performances between now and then. Sure. <laughs> no time for it. No. <laughs> well, we'll have to. We'll we'll be at uh, Nova Scotia Music Week this year. So we'll have, if we don't hear from you in the meantime, we'll have to catch at up. At the ECMAs, you mean? No, we're, we're going to be at the one in November. I'm saying. We'll, oh, we'll, next uh, November! Oh my so god! By, I didn't by even... then, you'll have the album out. I didn't even apply. Oh no! Oh no! I know, but historically, sometimes you'll have an album apply, to promote. They still they invite me last minute. They're... <laughs> Well, when you have the because album, because I'm so open. close, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll we'll sure. see about that. <laughs> Perfect. So our uh, song that we're going to play out the episode with is "Unsee It." Do you have anything you want to say about the song before we hear it? Yeah, this was a CBC-funded single. I started writing it during the pandemic a year ago and kind of sat on it for a while. Um, I co-produced it with Josh Van Tassel, who is um, a really good drummer and mix engineer producer uh, who moved here recently from Toronto. Um, he's done a lot of work with Gypsophilia and David Miles and hmm. oh David my Miles gosh. I know the name from. That's another one I was like, I know that name too. But it would be from David. <laughs> yes. Uh, I am t- I'm so shortchanging him right now, but he has he has a, an amazing an amazing history of work and and we recorded that in the last month um, in Halifax, and I, I love it. Perfect. And if <laughs> anyone wants to find us, find us online. Instagram is where we're getting the most attention, I think. And in our bio there, you can find our link tree and find everything else from there. We have a Discord. If you want to join the conversation on Discord, find us in the link tree. Yes. Arsonist mm. is spelt A-R-S-O-N-I-S-T-E. Perfect. So look for Mm -hmm. her there, look for us there, and find us all. And for now, we're going to listen to Unsee It, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been searching for the answer. For a long time after the fall And what came after Digging deep to the roots To find the truth And now I'm half hoping Mm-hmm. 
You have to see you. 